0: Well, I mean, I throw a little dirt on the coffin. Uh, That is the 2022 LA Lakers. It feels like I already had this take because I predicted it a mere 24 hours before it happened. But who gives a fuck? I'm going to officially say good night and good luck to my least favorite team in the NBA. We also break down why the Knicks not only are approaching roster building in an entirely wrong way, but also perhaps the NBA at large with their approach of super teams might be as well. And finally, just a little cleanup around the league. I fill you in on the one team ready to surprise the most in the playoffs, the Toronto Raptors. Final week of the regular season is upon us, so go ahead, Brock, and drop that motherfucking beat. Because may be everyone already knows is it the lakers the los angeles lakers with anthony davis top five center in the league they say lebron james lebron james one of the best players if not the best players of a generation still playing in the prime of his career and former mvp russell westbrook all three of them together as a duo as a trio as a team have missed the playoffs and that is now the second time in LeBron's four years as a Los Angeles Lakers Laker uh just things you hate to see honestly just 50% missing the playoffs is uh is not great I would say and for me you could think of me as Elmo engulfed in flames. Just give me the chaos. I can't wait. I've already predicted what's going to happen, what I think is going to happen. Now we're getting news that uh, Rob Plink is going to stay on one more a year, which I think is totally bullshit. And I know you're tired of hearing about the Lakers. Truthfully, I'm tired of explaining how right I was. <laughs> Truthfully, I'm tired about just – completely saying this, I just feel like I've been saying the same thing all year. But as we go on and the facts continue to come to the surface and I have another way of just running up the score and taking another lap, I'm going to do that. You can't not discuss them. Uh, Before we get started, let's do a little trivia. Since preseason title favorites first became a thing in 1984, how many of the two top teams failed to make the playoffs the answer is just one the 2021 2022 la lakers and that is including the fact that they could have gotten in as a 10 seed which is absolutely absurd as it is remember lebron james said he hated the play-in tournament and then decided on the night that he could have Kept the playing hopes alive that he wouldn't even play. He would be LeBron, street clothes James. He would leave the game. We'll get to that. Yes, historically bad year in LA. And the season isn't even quite over. The fingers already being pointed. The fingers were pointed since week one, but we got. We got some new stuff, some new juju happening here. Frank Vogel reportedly going to be fired. He won't discuss that, really. He says that, you know, kind of like Russell Westbrook, you can't ever predict the future kind of stuff like that. Like, whether he deserves to be fired or not, considering this roster construction is another question since it was Frank Vogel who desperately wanted to move Russ at the deadline, but was vetoed by Palinka and, of course, the Rambuses. It's certain he hasn't coached well. It's certain. It's certain that he's not really that good. But ask yourself this, and we've had this conversation before. Who could have made this shit show work? Who? The next news... but And now you've got, you've got Frank Vogel going out, talking to The Athletic, saying... I knew that this would be bad and not work before a regular season game even got played, folks. We went 0 in 6 in the preseason. We were getting waxed. I I know that the preseason is meaningless, but that means something. We were getting waxed. The next news, reportedly Rob Plinka has another year uh, to figure out and right the ship, considering that this is his completely his mess, and his mess alone. Why? Why would you give him another shot around uh, the sun? Like, kick his ass to the moon. It's not possible to fix this. To me, this is just like another year of borrowed time. And if we're being honest with ourselves, which I think this is a place to be honest, the only reason he has this much slack is because Jeannie Buss finds Kobe Bryant to be like another sibling, and Rob Palenka was hired simply because Kobe told her to hire him. So it would be like, I don't know, what's that called when it's like just sacrilegious to the dead? Like something bad, like bad juju to someone who is like a living legend and now, you know, a dead legend. You know, he is the only last connection to Kobe is Rob Palenka's agent, slick ass, (laughs) making stupid move after stupid move. AD and, and LeBron James make too much damn money and don't play nearly enough and don't play nearly well enough when they do play enough for this thing to work. I mean, that's just the case. Even if it was just them, that bubble title, we know, we know now it was on shaky ground. We know that the big question now is what to do with Russ, and his $47 million. The options are limited folks. A lot of chatter, from AD and Russ together about running it back next year, but that, folks, should not happen, and I do not believe it will happen. There are two options. Trade him to who? Or waive him. On one hand, there are a limited amount of teams that would even consider taking on russ's contract one of them apparently is charlotte who stuck with their own albatross contract in gordon hayward who is owed 60 million over two years played 49 games this year that is around the same amount as street close, anthony davis there's also john wall who has opted into his own 47 million dollar contract next year with the rockets seems incomprehensible that they would trade one for the other so uh Maybe they will we'll be willing to drop their demand for a first-rounder for John Wall. And, of course, the Thunder, the place where broken players go to heal, the place where you just send players because they've got a plethora of cap space to just take on your gross, oversized, inflated players. They have $31 million in cap space right now and would only need to send back Derek Favors and a salary filler to take them on. So there are some possibilities. But the other option but also about Charlotte, really quickly, a little note I saw on Twitter. Someone says, what, is Russ going to play center for the Hornets? <laughs> How is that going to work? You got Oubre and Lamello. I mean, you can't have another person with the ball that needs to have the ball in his hand. Terry Rozier, scary Terry. It's scary hours if Russell Westbrook <laughs> is there, and I don't mean a good way. The other option, which Mark Stein says is also being considered, is for the Lakers to stretch wave Russ waiving 47 million seems like a incomprehensible decision but the stretch provision allows them to pay them that sum pay him that sum over several years which would lighten the cap hit a bit only having 15 million dollars each year hit the cap Hmm. to me i don't think russ goes a goddamn place I think they wave Russ, and Russ waves off into the sunset. Like I think he goes uh, home to his family in L.A., and he has a, an amazing life. He works on his brand. He works on his philanthropy because I think that this is not the business for him. I don't think that this business of basketball, I don't think he's ready for all that. And I definitely don't think he's willing to hang out without his family in Charlotte. No fucking chance. Russell Westbrook all year long is getting degraded. And, like, criticized and disparaged. And you ask him about it over and over, and he goes, listen, I'm just blessed. I get to go home and see my wife. I get to go home and see my kids. On the weekends when we don't have games, I see my friends. You think he's going to Charlotte? No chance. I think retirement. That's my guess. And with all of this popping, the architect of it all, LeBron, ditched the team, ditched them, left the building in the third quarter against Phoenix, the same team, the Anthony Davis, which is just sweet justice. The Anthony Davis said that they would have been able to beat in the first round if it wasn't for injuries. What's that saying I always say? You can't really judge this Lakers roster quite yet until my man Kendrick Nunn gets healthy. <laughs> ah, And of course, Braun's getting murdered in the press. He hasn't said a goddamn thing. LeBron James hasn't said a goddamn thing to the media about the fact that they're not even eligible to go to the postseason any longer. He told us to keep that same narrative energy, and I have. I have. And now Eric Pincus is reporting that internally fingers are pointing at LeBron as well for pressuring the front office to trade Russ. All of that to say things are in disarray. So how did LeBron respond to all of this chatter? By dropping his podcast, The Shop, and saying how much he liked to play with Steph Curry uh, and Luka Doncic. Yeah. He's not thinking about making... Imagine if you had problems with your wife for a second. And, like, we want to know what's up with you and her. And then the way you respond to that, the little, you know, issues and, and cooperation, and what's happening with this marriage, you say, you know... Halle Berry is fine as hell. Like, I love some Halle Berry. Like, Jada Pinkett. God, did you see her at the Oscars? Holy shit, I'd like to date her. I'd like to be her August Alcina. Like, what? Excuse me? You have a team. Anthony Davis is your teammate. How are you going to play with Steph? Why are you even saying this right now? Goodness gracious. The funniest thing, this was Steph's response. Steph said... Well, he got his wish. He was the captain, and he's picked me for the last two All-Star games, so I don't know if that suffices, but I'm good right now. Whenever you get the interest or curiosity of what it would like like to play with, arguably the MVP kind of caliber dude that he is, one of the greatest of all time, cool, that's amazing. We can all live in that fantasy world. I mean, just so shady. And on top of that... They've had a rivalry for so long, so the fact that LeBron's come around to the dark side and been like, you know what, I'd actually love to play with Steph. And I love that Steph's like, he got his wish, dot, 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 I'm good, we can all live in that fantasy world. Safe to say, Steph has watched all of the teams that have been surrounding LeBron and been like, yeah, I'm fucking out of that mess. And to top it off, starting on August 4th, LeBron James will be eligible for a two-year $97 million extension that would keep him a Laker through 2024-2025. Is there a chance that either the Lakers do not offer him that contract? Doubtful. Or LeBron chooses not to sign? Probably doubtful. He can sign during the season next year, so I'm not sure... How that roster shakes out before deciding. One thing's for sure: never, ever pass, put it past him to bolt if a better opportunity uh, comes his way. He's happened multiple times before, especially with the statements about the door not being closed on Cleveland and LeBron James. Like I said, I'm sick of tired about talking about the Lakers, but damn. They sure have so much drama that it makes it tough 50 best honey bears man let's just not even discuss it man OG I ain't tripping I'm gonna let them sleep I ain't tripping let' rest in peace I could tell you how I happened I could save bit safe house night started it all started back to this this philosophy that all you need is money and acquiring stars are the way to win. That's that's the issue here, folks. There's now news. There's now news that has come out with the Knicks that if Tom Thibodeau, the head coach of the Knicks, goes, that Leon Rose, the president of the Knicks, I believe that's his job, there's a bunch of guys upstairs in charge. Like, you can't really tell what their title is versus what the fuck they do. But Leon Rose, we know... Uh, has been with CAA. He's a former agent and hand-selected Tibbs, so that if now the news comes out on SNY, uh, the number one you know Knicks alert place to find things, is that if Tibbs goes, then the guillotine is on Leon Rose's neck as well. And then the second piece was, well, okay, if that's the case, do the Knicks have? This is where I got kind of got this thought: Do the Knicks have? the proper people in place to land a star. Think about that. Think about that. Do the Knicks have the right people in place to land a star? I question the premise in general. I think the real question is whether the Knicks have the right people and the proper people in place to find potential stars In the draft and develop potential stars into stars before you have to pay them like stars. There's definitely smoke in here. It's definitely something hazy in here. Because my thought is this acquiring superstar players through free agency or through trade, it rarely works. Like, that is, I don't think that that's something that we can do any longer. I don't think that that's as a whole a strategy that is proven to be successful it usually costs you a ton quite a bit in terms of cap space and a ton in draft capital to make it all work you can't just say all right we'll give you some scrubs and we'll get back Kevin Durant no way like if I have Kevin Durant you're gonna need to sweeten things up for me of course the money needs to match but what Like, what do I get out of it? I need your entire future mortgaged, right? So the whole plan is you have to win now, the win now mode, fuck them picks, less need mode. But you can't do it unless you're one piece away. And even then, mortgaging the future is a bit dicey. You could end up with a player making $40 million a year. Had to mortgage your future for him with your picks. No telling if he's even interested in staying with your team long term. No telling if he's healthy and interested for the duration of his contract. No telling if he's even a right fit. Right? Think about the example. The we would call him the uh the golden goose for the Knicks. Damian Lillard. I would if I was running the Knicks, this is gonna sound like a hot take. If I was running the Knicks, and I am a huge Dame fan, there is no chance I'd trade for Dame under any circumstance at this point. He's probably about to sign another extension this offseason. That would put him, and he just signed one like two years ago, so that was a five-year deal, and then he'll sign another five-year deal, so that'll lock him up until he's in his late 30s. No one knows at this point whether he's actually truly healthy. He's been dealing with an abdominal issue for years where just simple sitting and standing and laying down all hurt, right? That ab issue is real. He's undersized. He doesn't play defense. He's not a particularly great playmaker on like an elite level. Where does that leave you? If you were to do that, and you had dame time, that would be electric, but where does that leave you? In cap hell for the next seven years, no ability to fix it if it goes wrong with younger, cheaper players because you gave four first rounds up to get him because that's what it's going to cost for that player. He's now no longer viable. You've got to bench him. He's taking up the cap room. And what the fuck are you going to do? See how that strategy for a long ass time. Now you got to figure out a way to move him. And then you got to pay also to move him because everybody knows he's broken. Do you sound like that? You see? what i'm saying how this might not be the best thought but this is what teams do this is fucking crazy i don't know why i had this revelation but this is maybe the most insane strategy to build a roster and this is what agents do this is what agents do fucking idiots because they don't know how to develop stars they only see stars when they already are them teams consistently focused on just entrenched and entranced on this idea of landing a big star. Why? Because it wins headlines. Agents love to win the headlines. Mm. Ask Rob Palenka. (laughs) It sells tickets to the fan base. You get to put Dame on your tickets. get to put Dame on your billboards. Dame time coming to MSG this October. You get to tell the fan base you're in win-now mode. Everybody thinks they're coming to watch winning basketball. Outside a few players in the NBA, and I mean a few, like literally maybe three to five, one player on a shitty roster added, will never put you in win-now mode. It can put you in lose-forever mode. (laughs) Like, look at the Cavs. Look at the Cavs with Kyrie Irving, and Kyrie Irving is one of the best players in the league, especially in his prime. Mm -hmm. When it was just him on the Cavs, that team fucking sucked. That team was trash and was going to stay trash. They needed to add healthy pieces to actually compete. And, of course, they got Braun and they got a ring, but what do they needed to do? Every time LeBron asked them to sell those picks away. And then they couldn't get their own first-rounders until they told LeBron no, and he bounced. But it looks good. Buying stars looks good. It's sexy. It's sexier than the way that the Suns decided to do it. Mm -hmm. It's sexier than the way that the Grizzlies decided to do it. And unfortunately for the Knicks, that's a hit for them. Unfortunately, that's a hit. Unfortunately, this is what they do time and time. It's like they just keep making the same decisions over and over. Like, can I get an amen? Carmelo, Amari, Stefan. Phil Jackson, Joakim Noah, that shit is. Didn't work Robin Lopez 20 million a year in the 90s, Latrell, Alan Houston, one of the first players they ever ever gave a hundred million dollars to. That shit did not work. And now they're talking Zion, they're talking Donovan Mitchell, they're talking Dame. Get the fuck out of here. Folks, that's not how this shit works. So Save me from this headline SNY. Do the Knicks have the right pieces and people in place to land the next star? The blueprint. The blueprint should have been as follows. As soon as you knew you were not contending, which was when Trey Young gave you the burr and shook you off at Madison Square Garden, until then, right then, you know, okay, folks, we got to go into damage control mode and tell the world PR-wise we are not going to contend like they think we are we went to the 4c but that was a fluke let's play the youngsters we know we have youngsters that can develop look what happened when they started giving those youngsters minutes Obi is now getting ain't no stopping Obi Toppin is getting 20 a game now the front office also, has not been smart about their free agent moves. Yes, you need to get free agents, but they can't be Evan Fournier. They can't be Kemba Walker. Also, yes, you've made good moves in the draft, but sometimes you didn't find the ones that you actually needed. Of course, Deuce, Grimes, Jericho Sims, all good, but like that Obi Toppin pick, bro, is. Something you're going to regret when you could have gotten Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton was the player you needed, and you didn't even evaluate him. You didn't even look his fucking way. Obi Toppin is good, but you already have Julius Randle. How are, the, how are they going to coexist together? That's a head-scratcher, folks. I, I get the whole, like, yeah, it's like Spider-Man pointing to each other. That's them. Like, best-case scenario, and you got Mitchell Robinson. How do they all get minutes? You need a point guard, folks. And, like, all right, I get the whole best available thing, but you can't even know what you have when you can't play them on the court at the same time. And on top of that, R.J. Barrett, who's a bona fide star, was basically, like, one, from another regime. That wasn't you. And two, who the fuck else were you going to draft? That was the only pick that made any goddamn sense. It was Zion, Jaw, R.J., and then it fell off a cliff. There was no other players in that draft that made any sense. And then, of course, you, uh... Traded a first to get Cam Reddish, who was in that same draft. That didn't make any sense. Only for Tibbs not to play him. Then you gave multi-year contracts in the offseason to Alec Burks, to Rose, to Noel, to Taj Gibson. Did not. Yeah, to Taj Gibson. Did not. That was like a consolation prize because he didn't. You didn't keep Reggie Bullock, and so you kept the Tibbs guy. And it's like, oh, we'll just throw you this one. We'll throw you this bone. Didn't go after Demar Derozan. Could have had him. Didn't go after Lonzo, despite everyone knowing that you needed Lonzo. Someone desperately to shoot threes. Someone desperately to get a bucket in like clutch time. Someone desperately that can play some fucking defense. Get a bucket. And yet, here you are, you didn't play any of those players, you don't see who they are until basically the season was done, you had 15 games to go, and you've got still your asses in the lottery. You did nothing to bring you up another level. None of those guys got any experience under their belts so that next year they come in with a greater skill, ability to transcend you to the next level. All of that to say, talk about firing Tibbs, you can talk about firing Leon Rose, you can talk about do the Knicks have the right players and pieces in play to land the next star. It's not Randall. it's that philosophy that is going to fuck the Knicks indefinitely until they sort that shit out in their mind. It is, flat. time is a flat circle basically, it is what it is, Knicks how deep I got a dig for you to pipe down All the things I've done up until right now I need a thousand pages just to write it down Writing down these feelings, has been overdue Don't know how many pens it's gonna take to get over you How much I got a pen for you to pipe down How deep I got a dig for you to pipe down I will never pipe down No one likes to be right, no one likes to pipe up more Here's the thing though, they'll tell you when you're wrong, they'll take laps on you when you're wrong. They'll let you know, get back into the kitchen, this take was wrong, blah, blah, blah. So if I'm never going to be allowed to forget my wrong takes, I'm never going to let you forget my right ones. And that's where we're at. So before we dig into who the Toronto Raptors are, let's take a look, folks, at my prediction uh, on this podcast, October 10th. 2021 on what i said about the toronto raptors. toronto raptors toronto raptors they could be a three seed or they could be a 10 seed they're back in toronto this team was number two in the eastern conference before the league shut down number two in the eastern conference in march 2020 i love what masai ujiri does they got rid of kyle lowry who is coming up on a contract extension he's way too old they they got scotty barnes now you've got scotty barnes pascal siakam Boucher, Gary Trent Jr., Precious Dechuya, every guy is somewhere between 6'5 and 6'9. I love that. They're right. gonna be able to get matchups that they like, they're gonna be able to switch everything, they're gonna be able to play defense, they're gonna be able to shoot, don't sleep on them. If they can get their chemistry back and Siakam is not cussing out Nick Nurse on the sidelines, right. then they could actually like sneak their way in. I don't I don't sleep on Nick Nurse. Probably one of the best coach teams in the league. And now that they're home, they are going to be a surprise. People think they're going to be a 12. I think they're closer to a 6. <laughs> and that's exactly what they fucking are right now. 5-6 seed, folks. 5-6 seed. Yes, I said the Raptors would be a sleeper team. I kept that same energy when they stumbled out the blocks. They were in 12th place on December 12, 2021. But I did not waiver i would not waver and loyalty is rewarded and in this case the raptors are maybe the most dangerous team in the east fifth seed right now staring down a matchup with philly where theibel is uh, he's on the injury report but i can't really seem to figure out what ineligible to play means i think it means he's unvaccinated and he can't take his ass to canada Pretty much until he does. And you need two weeks after you get the shot in order to be fully vaccinated. So it appears that if they see each other in the first round or in the second round, it's going to be trouble, trouble. And James Harden, by the way, averaging just 18 a game over his last 10 and has looked pretty much awful. And the add in the fact that Toronto's 2-1 against the Sixers this year, including beating a fully healthy Sixers team in Philadelphia just three weeks ago, 93-88, to 88. this matchup is not something that the Raptors are going to fear. They held Harden to 16. They held Embiid to 21 on just 6 of 20 shooting. You might think to yourself, because I did, how are they going to stop Embiid? Well, they triple teamed him, got in his head. Remember, Nick Nurse held Embiid out gotten his head in that playoffs with Kawhi when they ended up going to Game 7 and Kawhi hit that insane shot. They're going to make everyone else beat them. They're going to basically blitz Joel, make James be a catch-and-shooter, make Danny Green catch-and-shoot, and guess what? Tobias and George Nang, not up to the task, folks. The Raptors are dangerous. Not because they just run a set of the same guys out, Six, seven to six, nine at you all day, all night, they've got six guys that are basically all the same, not just because they might be the best coach team in the East, they're dangerous because they've got an identity. And after the bubble and a year in exile, Masai Ujiri said that threatened to set the team back five years, this is a team that knows who they are and that makes them potent. Remember, the Raptors were projected to win an absurd number of games at 35 and a half. 35 and a half was fucking disrespectful. And when they sucked bad out of the gate, everybody wrote them off. That was a mistake, it turns out. Around the All-Star break, they've turned things around, in part because the five starters, Siakam, Van Fleet, Trent Ananobi, and super rookie Scotty Barnes, who averaged more minutes actually per game than any other starting five in the NBA. But this team actually really, really started cooking when their bench started making moves. Thad Young that they got in the trade at the deadline, Chris Boucher, Precious Achiuwa, they all started contributing off the bench, and now they've got an eight-man rotation instead of a five- to six-man rotation. Add in the fact that there are teams that are going to be majorly hamstrung crossing the border, Boston currently has two players front court that are unvaccinated. Brooklyn famously has Kyrie, and now it turns out that Thibel, the unsung hero in the Sixers' defense, not been vaccinated as well. So all of these teams face matchups against the Raptors with a serious disadvantage. The way that things are setting up, it looks like Philly versus Toronto in the first round with the Raptors when they win the six, win in six facing the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I know it might be the Miami Heat, which granted is not an ideal matchup for Toronto, but if the Nets get it together, they'll end up playing three, maybe four games in Toronto without Kyrie. I like the Raptors in that spot, which means Toronto could easily be in the Eastern Conference Finals, possibly facing the presumptive favorites in the East, the Boston Celtics, who, like I said, have two unnamed for now starting players that are unvaccinated see how this all shakes out canada best home court advantage in the nba do not sleep on these raptors they might be the biggest surprise of the playoffs that's all the time that we have for the heat check we will be back monday with a new episode preparing you for the playoffs do not forget to subscribe and tell all of your friends follow us on social at at this heat check and at trista crick on tiktok